Tom and Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your Tilo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the low in your Tilo, Lorenzo Monkis, my lovely husband. Hello. How are we all doing today, Lorenzo? Uh, fine. Fine. Good. <laughs> Excellent. Tab Hunter Excellent. just jumped up on I the table. Oh, he's so cute. So he's going to be joining us for this podcast. Uh, yeah, fine. No, no real happy talk to have this week. Um, it was super cold, so we never left our place. Yeah. And, um, just, just walk around a little bit, but that's it. I think we're like a lot of people feeling very uh, antsy about getting back out again. And, right. Uh, I mean, we do go out. We do. We're not we on lockdown. No, we do go out when we have to, like to the supermarket or the We've the had stores. doctor's yeah. appointments, vet appointments, yeah. dentist appointments. We've gone to supermarkets. We've gone into, you know, retail stores. Right, and, right, right. Uh, but we haven't been in a restaurant in almost two months. No, and we still wear a mask, double mask. So, you know, it's our choice. But I'm not saying it. I did say to Lorenzo the other day, I was like, buddy, we need to go somewhere. I know, like, we seriously. need to just travel. I know. I am feeling the itch. I know. And even if it means, you know, just domestic, short trips, whatever, fine. But we need to we get need out to in the world. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, that's the only real thing going on in our lives right now, and which is not really anything. <laughs> No. It's February. Cats I mean, are fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everything um, is fine. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Miss Miu Miu, who used to be our co-star because she was so vocal. You may, have, if you listen for any length of time, you may remember that she had some health issues, and we she had a thyroid issue or, last year, and we just took took her in for her checkup. And she went from three pounds to ten pounds. Not three pounds. I think it was more like three point seven. Uh, yeah. No. no. Uh, I think that was kilos, I think, in the... Oh. Well, maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, she was, like, very skinny, uh, lost a lot of weight, but now she's 10 she's pounds. A healthy <laughs> middle-aged lady with a, with a little wiggle. Um, and it's just great to see our girl. But the, the down... If there's no, there is no downside, but the actual treatment is the reason why you never hear her on this podcast anymore because uh, all of her vocalizing had to do with her a lot of it a lot with of her it. thyroid condition and she is noticeably quieter right she is i mean she used to be very vocal in the middle of the night and that's all her meow has actually changed yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> it's really like she's got like a smoker's meow now <laughs> i know but but she's fine she's very happy now and uh yeah and we're happy we, i'm very happy for we her we bought our yeah. girl a couple more years of comfort at the I know, very least seriously so that's the update in our lives um what okay so this week we're going to um uh talk about the oscar nominations as we do every year uh when they come out we have thoughts. Of course, we have thoughts. We always have thoughts. And we're going to give a few thoughts on um, Inventing Anna, the uh, Netflix series from uh, Uber producer Shonda Rhimes, who, which drops today and is based on the real story of scam artist Anna Delvey. It's an interesting story that went viral when it was first reported in New York Magazine by this... 2018, uh, right? If I... I think it was 2019. Maybe. I don't know. Why do you ask me questions that I have no... You do this... As soon as the mics are on, you're like, oh, I'm just going to throw these curveballs at Tom while, you know, thousands of people are listening. <laughs> I believe it's 2018. I could be wrong anyway. Yes, we both could be wrong. We are often wrong. <laughs> um, anyway, the story went viral. Jessica Pressler was the uh, journalist who did the story. She's also known for as the journalist who bro wrote the story that the film Hustlers was based on, uh, right. the Jennifer Lopez film. So... She's very talented. She's, She's very good, good yeah. at at, at uh, weaving these incredible tales from true life. Um, and we're going to get into why she they done her dirty in this one. That's all I'll say until we get to that. But let's do a minute 
on, uh, I wasn't expecting to see this, but Vanity Fair got an exclusive and they have released a whole bunch of first look pictures for the new Lord of the Rings series, The Rings of Power, which is dropping in September. I was so excited to hear that um, Vanity Fair had uh, one of the writers is Joanna Robinson, who we love and we mm-hmm. follow on Twitter. And, she's and she's a big incredible. girl yeah. nerd. And she's so great at uh, unpacking all of this stuff, whether it's this or whether it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She's just great at that stuff. Anyway, um, she got to see... Uh, the first three episodes. I did not think the episodes were going to be available to anyone for a really, really long time. And to be fair, I mean, I ran out over to Lorenzo's desk and I was like, oh my God, there's episodes available. But the light, and we're on good relationship with Prime. They send us, we don't even have to ask them. They basically send us all their screeners. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's going to be no, available it's, it's, to people no. like us for at least another three months. She probably watched like very rough uh, cuts. I Maybe yeah. I, I didn't get. The, she didn't say she did. She didn't say she did. And they usually they yeah. usually indicate that when they're talking about them. Anyway, they released first look pictures, and um, I'm excited. I am not a Tolkien scholar. I am a low level Tolkien nerd, which means I've read the books, I've read the appendices, right. I read this, I've read the Silmarillion. So actually, that does put me like intermediate level nerd. Right. Um, I'm like zero level. <laughs> you've read the books. <laughs> I read the books, but that's it. Sorry. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I read the books, but that's about it. You did you read the appendices? And I watched the movie. <laughs> no, I no. Uh, I didn't. See, no. My, the appendices are actually my favorite part. I know. I bought you the book. I uh, know. Uh, anyway, um. So thoughts. Let's see. Did what did you? What are your initial thoughts? Um, most of the characters that they showed uh, Galadriel and they showed Elrond, but uh, most of the other characters that they revealed were all created for the series. Right. So. Right. I think. The, I mean, I can only talk about how they look. They look incredible. Uh, it it does look like the cinematography is amazing. And the art direction. The art direction and and the um, costumes. Costumes. Yeah. Costumes yeah. are absolutely insane. So yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it. I think it's going to be a, a fantastic production with lots of money. So I'm excited because um, this is the uh, second age, and Galadriel in the second age is very, very different. Yes. And I remember reading the appendices, and they would talk about Galadriel as this fiery elven woman who went into battle and everything like that. And I'm like, wow, that is so hard to reconcile. Very excited about that, yeah. With the um, very, you know, regal and mystical being, but she's thousands of years older in Lord of the Rings. So they're doing the young Galadriel and um, they showed her in, uh, what's the actress's name? And she has a really Welsh name, Morphid, something like that. Uh, anyway, they showed her in um, in full battle armor and oh my God, she looks amazing. And she, she actually incredible. really, she actually really resembles uh, uh, Kate Blanchett in a lot of ways. Um, Although they didn't, like, the guy that they cast for Elrond does not look anything like Hugo Weaving. It just doesn't look anything like him. So I don't really think they're beholden all that much to the films. Right. I, what I really do want to talk about is um, the aesthetic on display, which I, I was curious how they were going to do it, because the aesthetic of the um, Lord of the Rings films is very, very specific down to, you know, the silverware. <laughs> they had designed everything. They designed everything. And yeah. it was all very culturally based. Like, the elves are like this, the dwarves are like this, the humans are like this. Um, and they've largely stayed within the same realm without actually looking like they're copying too much. Right. Um, my best way to compare it is, I don't think this looks like Game of Thrones. 
I think this looks more Tolkien than it looks George R. R. Martin. Do you agree? I think that would be an interesting approach because then we, you know, what, do you I mean, what would be an interesting approach? Uh, a more, more, I don't know. That doesn't look like Lord of the Rings, you know, like what we're used to because we're so used to that look. See, I'm saying it does look like Lord of the Rings. I don't know. I mean, I, I, my point is that I, you're, you're saying look like it looks like it, but I'm, I'm saying is that maybe they should go a little deeper in the books and, and then I don't know, look for, for a different take on it, uh, right. as opposed to Lord of the Rings, just what we, what we used to it in terms of, you know, production and and costumes and everything. Like you said, it's maybe it's a little, a little different. That's all I'm saying. I don't see that. I think it looks very much of the world um, that without being beholden to the, you know, um, Peter Jackson, uh, like, for instance, they have um, and she was obviously they knew it. They she's the most controversial one is uh, the character Disa, who was created for the the series, um, is a dwarf princess and she's portrayed by a black actress. Now, uh, the Jackson films and Tolkien himself did not describe um, people of color, except right. when they talked about like the Haradrim and the men of the East, who were all supposed to be terribly evil. So right. there was, a, there was a, more than a bit of Orientalism in Tolkien. And um, I wouldn't go so far as to say he was, well, I don't know, it's not for me to say, but I don't, I don't necessarily think the work was racist, but it was uh, based in Northern European, specifically English mythologies. And in his mind, and that's understandable, he's a man of the 19th century, um, in his mind, that was white men, right? Um, but I think men that, of the West were specifically white men. But I think that's why it's important to adapt something like that uh, to a more current, you know, uh, I don't know, idea uh, of life and work and the world we live in. So I think that's great. Yeah, that I agree. Have all, you know, it would be great to because we're so like when you watch uh, Game of Thrones and you watch all these shows, uh, there's a tendency to be very British oriented in terms of the actors playing right. the parts. So it, it to me, it's always great when they bring all these characters from different countries, you know, with different accents and, and different skin colors. Right, right, right. I think that's so that's the approach as I can see because I'm looking at the list of all the actors here, and the, you know, they all look different. They don't. They're not. They're not all white right. British actors. Uh, returning to Princess Deez, I, I brought her up first because I, I love her look. It's a fantastic look. Um, we can't feature these pictures on our site because they are exclusive to Vanity Fair, but we'll link to it in the post for this podcast. Right. Um, I love her look. It's uh, beautiful and regal, and it's very fantasy-based, and it slots slightly into uh, our understanding of the dwarf aesthetic as Peter Jackson laid it out. But it doesn't ape it. It doesn't, uh-huh. you know, uh, rip it off. It doesn't, it's its its own thing. And since we are talking about characters that take place, you know, a, a setting thousands of years before the Lord of the Rings films, I think that's only right and good. As for the reaction to casting a black woman as a dwarf, I mean, my first, uh, my only slight objection is that she doesn't have a beard, which is how Tolkien described dwarf, dwarven women. If you zoom in on the picture, she has um, like very wispy sideburns. And I mean, the implication could be that she's a very young dwarven right. you know, female and she hasn't grown her beard yet. But of course, the world being what it is, they also released a picture of a uh, black actor portraying a, a, a Tolkien elf as well. People didn't seem to have as much of an objection to him as they did to her. And the one that came up was, um, how could dwarves be dark-skinned because they live underground? And I mean... Do they say that? Oh, yeah, that was the common... Yeah, as if 
these were evolutionary processes. I mean, Tolkien d- described how the dwarves were created. There is no evolutionary process. The a metalsmith or a forger himself made them and then buried them in the ground until they seven of them popped out of the ground and then they became the dwarven fathers. There is no reason to apply, oh, well, their skin should be, you know, right, because right. Tolkien never talked about them being pale skinned. If they all live underground and that's the argument, then they should all be like mole men, like blind and, you know, albino. But come on, that's stop. Up. You're just looking for reasons to argue about right, this stuff. Right, right. I think she looks like she could be um, Gimli's great great aunt or something like that. She absolutely slots into the idea of how the dwarves were portrayed in both the Hobbit films and the uh, Lord of the Rings. I think film. she looks fantastic. The hair, the the, the I love uh, the, the costumes. Everything. I think she looks incredible. And the the gold glitter in the hair right. and the gold makeup on her nails. I mean, on her fingers. Uh, it's exotic and it's slightly weird and it totally, totally, totally um, pays uh, homage to what Tolkien said about the. They right. were obsessed with gold and gems and right. literally obsessed to the point where several of them got you know went crazy over it um and as you mentioned i think you mentioned on twitter that it, it when you look at the picture her picture it's a little modern take on on the whole costume thing it, it, it is you know based on the book and based on the story but it's also it it feels it doesn't feel old or dated um, it doesn't slot into, and I think that's true of some of the other costumes as well. It doesn't necessarily uh, necessarily slot into what you think a fantasy uh, right costume should look like. Um, that dress that she's wearing, you could put that on Princess Leia. I mean, that could be put right. on in Star Wars, and maybe that sounds terrible to some people, um, but I don't mind it because I feel like it. Uh, like I love how it's the the folds of her dress have little pieces of gold sewn into right, them right. all over it. It's like a Scaparelli couture it's dress. It's exactly <laughs> like a Scaparelli couture dress. Um, it even has that little circular motif yes, at the head. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I think they're gorgeous. Of course, costume design and production design does not tell you the full picture. Right. I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who seem to have reservations about this, but I am super excited. I don't know. I I'm very am. excited. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. And like I said, I may, may have to read more books. <laughs> There's no way they could be worse than the Hobbit movies. No. Because I watched oh the Hobbit God, movies yes, over yes. Christmas and I was like, oh my God, I forgot about how bad You these watched are. them again. I yeah. can't believe you did. Uh, so I'm excited. I think mm-hmm. it looks gorgeous. I think the shot of... Um, Elrond and Galadriel in in Linden, where it's all golden. It looks like they're in a cathedral. It's stunning. And no one would mistake it for The Witcher right. or, you know, um, Game of Thrones or any other non-Tolkien. It, it looks like Tolkien to me. Right, right. Um, and that's very, very important. If the, you don't get that right, it's not Tolkien. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, I'll watch for Galadriel. I mean, she's my favorite character, of course. So I'm going to watch yeah. the her development. I, I, you know, I don't know much about her life before uh, um, Lord of the Rings. Oh, so. she made some mistakes. That's the great thing about her is that when you meet her in in Lord of the Rings, she is this like almost angelic. Right. Well, she's more than almost angelic. She's nearly goddess like. But uh, her actual story as a young woman is she kind of fucked up a couple right. times and she lost her temper and she got involved in fights that she shouldn't have gotten involved in. Um, the actor's name is Morphid Clark, by the way. Morphid Clark. I knew the first name was Morphid. I didn't know the last name. And I'm, I'm assuming that's Welsh just by the spelling. Uh, anyway, excited. Yes, and we'd love to hear much. what the Tolkien nerds in our uh, listenership and readership think of them. So we're going to post a link to the pictures when we post this podcast. We did post the uh, posters and uh, yeah. we just with their hands. Yeah. And, and we talked about how clever that is, right. especially in terms of costumes, because 
you know, you're not showing the face. You're just showing certain elements that are very important for each character right. in terms of costumes. And if you just look at them, then you you know you might be able to identify the the the, the characters, mm-hmm. which is what costume does. So I, I thought it was extremely clever. And uh-huh. they're beautiful. They're absolutely gorgeous. Each and every one of them. I think there's 24 of them. They're all different. I agree. Um, okay, moving on to Inventing Anna, which dropped today on Netflix. We are actually going to have a piece on the costume design, hopefully up by hopefully, Monday. Yeah, um, if everything goes well. <laughs> if everything goes well. Uh, and we have seen yeah. the first... Well, we, Lorenzo was seeing the entire thing. I am about halfway through it. Um, I'll be done by the time we have the costume design post up on Monday. So it tells the story of Anna Delvey, uh, whose real name is Anna Sorokin, a Russian-born um, German expatriate who uh, came to America and scammed her way through high society in New York. Uh, she basically scammed her way through the art and fashion and high finance worlds. And it is an interesting story, although I uh, a lot of there's a lot of rumbling right now that there are too many films and TV series being done about famous scam artists. Yeah, I mean, Netflix just had one about these Tinder guy. So. Right, and then they're doing the We Work one with Anne Hathaway and Jared Leto. So there's just a lot of the, and I'm pretty sure they're doing a Fire Festival movie. Um, there's just a lot of this going around. And of course, there's a fascination. I understand the fascination. We live in a time where it feels like everything's breaking down and only the worst people are... Um, thriving right. um that so these stories of these scam artists all of whom wind up with them getting their comeuppance it's not like we're talking about successful scam artists we're talking about stories of people getting punished for their scams so this is what people are eating up right now uh and i won't deny there is a certain thrill uh, in in inventing anna where you're just waiting for the the blade to fall on her neck so to more metaphorically speak right i mean it, it's interesting to look at these uh stories and we're fascinated by them but in a way these people are not really um punished uh they are punished in a way but not fully punished like i don't want to get into all the details about the netflix tinder guy but you know he i mean the, the women are still paying their credit cards and everything you know he was um he was charged for something completely different and now he's free uh and apparently doing everything again, what he used to do. Same thing with Anna. Uh, you know, she's camped her way all the way to the top, you know, all these hotel bills and, 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 and uh, loans and everything. She never paid for any Credit of that. Credit card scams, yeah, bounce never, checks. I mean, she, I mean, it was one of her friends who, uh, who, uh, press charge and then, and, and then that's how she ended up in jail. So, you know, it, it depends. Like, I hope I'm, I'm glad there is one thing that they, are paying the price for, you know, but it's not the entire picture. I right. Mean, it's not like they're paying for everything they did. That's the case with her. Um, so the series, what do you, let's start, what did you think of the series? Well, I read the piece a long time ago, uh, the, and I was right. The piece was written in, in 2018. I didn't read it in 2018. In New York Mag. Yeah. I read it years later. I w- it's funny because I was at the, people were talking about it. For some reason, people were talking about it on Twitter. I was at the gym, I remember, and I dropped everything and I read the whole thing on my phone because I was fascinated by the, by the story. So when they announced that they were making a, a, a series on Netflix, I couldn't wait to watch it. In fact, uh, I watched this, the, the screeners a long time ago um, and Netflix was just giving like one or two uh, at a time. And I was like, oh my God, I want to watch the whole thing. Anyway, my point is that I knew a lot about it. I read a ton of articles about it, about these people um and um watch the show i have to say i was surprised 
that the show focused a lot on the uh, reporter, especially in the first episodes. The um, Jessica Pressler is an executive producer on the right. show. She wrote the original story, but they fictionalized the character. They renamed her Vivian Kent. They named they renamed the magazine from New York Magazine to of Manhattan course. Magazine. But of course, much in the way of um, The Devil Wears Prada, they basically. Uh, mocked up all these covers that looked exactly like New York Magazine right, right. covers and put them on the wall. And I just read a piece on Vulture today that the and I figured as much because the set was so very specific in its design. I was like, that's got to be based on the New York Magazine right. offices, and it is. Um, they just but they name it. They be, well, the reason no, I'm sure they could have if they didn't want to do a made up version. If they wanted to tell the Jessica right. Pressler story, they You're could right. have. Yeah. But uh, that story was apparently not interesting enough, so they created this character of Vivian Kent. And I don't think it's, I don't know Jessica Pressler at all. We follow each other on Twitter, but we don't actually engage all that much. Um, but I have read interviews with her and everything, and I I don't think this character is her at all. No, they took um, a lot of liberties, I think, because she was I read pregnant so many at stories. the time she yes. wrote the story, and Vivian Kent is pregnant. Jessica Pressler had a um, s- scandal early in, well, relatively early in her career when uh, a story she filed turned out to be uh, totally made up, and it her career did take a hit for it so they did base some of that and some of that is in vivian kent's story but they've created the all of the conflicts and i i believe the character itself out of whole cloth because um first off it's a stunningly uncomplimentary picture of a journalist they really yeah. really i i understand like sean this is very shonda rhymes um <clears throat> Pardon me. Where and I don't I don't want to sound dismissive of Shonda Rhimes. She is a super producer. She obviously knows what she's doing. She can create these shows that last forever and get these um these rabid fan bases like Grey's Anatomy and Scandal. Mm-hmm. Um and she she didn't create, but she did um serve as one of the producers on Bridgerton. Uh and which again exploded in popularity. She knows what she's doing. I agree. However, I I don't often find what she does particularly engaging to me. And that's fine because I think a lot of her uh, work is geared towards, is very woman oriented. And I think right. she, she seeks out women audiences. And that's, you know, obviously that's fine. Um, I put her alongside someone like Ryan Murphy. Very similar in that they both have these stylistic ticks that they return to. They both have subject matters that they return to. And if you watch too much of it, you just see the seams and all of it. And we have spent so much time criticizing Ryan Murphy over the years that I, I don't feel too bad about saying some of the same stuff about Shonda Rhimes because I've, you know, I've done it before. I've said it about other people. So her work, to my way of thinking, has, um, it's formulaic. If you're not a big fan of, and if you're not a big fan of Ryan Murphy, you might right. look at, say the same thing. Right, well, his right. work is really formulaic. Same thing. And that's fine. But when I was watching Inventing Anna, I, I could feel certain things being ticked off and with the of a list. And with the Vivian Ken thing, it was like, oh, okay. So they needed a you know, capital C, capital W, complicated woman character. Like she said that, right. that she was going to be at... They couldn't just have some reporter doing her job. They had She had to be foul-mouthed. She had to have a bad temper. She had to have this terrible scandal in her past. Yeah. Uh, you know, and she treats everyone around her terribly. Um... Then they had to give her like a whole little like Greek chorus of elderly journalists who were helping her do her story. And they were all people from other right, Shonda right, shows. Right. And the whole thing with the marriage, they always have that. They always have to have a complicated marriage. Exactly. Uh, and then she, she, you know, she's pregnant and dealing with pregnancy. And that can be all true. But it's just when you add this all lap to one character, it just feels like too much. It, 
Well, it feels like there's not much of a point to it right, because right. Uh, I'm here for Anna Delvey. That's the whole point of this right. show, and that's how and I feel. And when you split yeah. the folks, so because they tried to, they they tried to do like a Killing Eve sort of thing, you know, where it was it couldn't be about this one scam artist, terrible woman. We had to have a flip side so that they could like be right, nemeses, right, right, right. like a like a Clarice and and um, uh, you know, Silence of the Lambs thing, uh, um, Hannibal Lecter, you know. Uh, and a lot of their scenes are like that, where they're like, you know, sparring with each other across from the glass and the prison and everything. So I, I didn't think that was necessary. And every review I have read of the series has said largely the same thing. We and haven't some people gotten know, tool- and some people know uh, Jessica, uh, right. You know personally, and they just, some of the reviewers, yeah, some of the reviewers, and they didn't feel that it represented. It did, it doesn't have to, or didn't have to, uh, be exactly like Jessica Pressler, the real person, right? But the approach is, like I said, I know so much about the story that I was like crazy. I couldn't wait to to you know dying to watch the the, the series and and for for the first episodes and the first two three episodes, I was like, all right, well, let's move on. Yeah, I mean, I know more about this than than they're showing. Um, where is the real story? Um, yeah, um, I don't want to linger too much more on this because I really want to get to the Oscars. But we do want to talk about Julia Garner, right? Yes, phenomenal pre- uh, performance. Yes, pretty incredible. much the number one yes, reason to yes, watch yes, yes. watch the episode is that she is um, she's just fantastic in the role, and it's kind of a thankless role because Anna Delvey was a real asshole. <laughs> And she has the most annoying accent and voice you could imagine. And Julia Garner worked very hard to get it. She did a very good it. job, yes. Uh, and um, so there are times where it's like, oh boy, I'm, I'm, I got to tap out. There's just a little bit yes. too. And I, I actually, that's probably why they build up Vivian's character so much because they felt like if you were looking at Anna Delvey just, for an it, hour yeah. at a time, you would tap out. Which brings me to my next point. Um, I did enjoy this. I am enjoying the series. The, it looks great. It's got a lot of um, pop and style to it. It's got some great needle drops. And the costumes are, you know, it's Incredible, all high fashion costumes. Obviously, yeah. So there's a lot there to enjoy to watch the show. It has a, it has a, a sort of zippy energy to it. However, bloated beyond bloated. Like pure Netflix. This is on Netflix. I don't know if we mentioned yeah, this yeah, yet. Yeah. Um, and it dropped today. Pure Netflix bloat. I think it's only nine episodes, but every single one of those episodes, you know, some of them are um, 75 minutes long. Right, some right, of them right. are 90 minutes long. Every single one of them could have tapped out at 45 minutes. There's this weird thing. It happened several... I swear scripts were restructured or something. And maybe this was originally written for, for network television and they had to restructure it because in almost every... I've seen the five episodes and almost every single one of them there's like a point at like the 50 minute mark that feels exactly like the end scene of, of, of a, and then of it, an episode. Yeah. yeah. It feels like, all right, credits uh-huh. roll because the whole story leads up to this one scene. Something happens. Right. Boom. And then there's 15 more minutes every single time this happened. Um, it's very bloated. It's it. And there are times it's not the kind of show that I feel like, well, it depends on who you are, but I, I don't, think i could just binge through it through a whole weekend it it's it you need a break from these episodes it it is a lot and it's a lot of information um because she did a lot (laughs) the story is really fascinating it is fascinating and the cast is spectacular everyone is it's it's good laverne cox and um the the 
uh, actress who plays uh, Naf Alexis Floyd. She's really good. And Kate Burton is in it yes, in a really yes, great role. Yes. Um, they're all great, and they do good job. They do a good job uh, creating, recreating that world. Um, and it's an interesting story because you can look at it so many different ways. You know, you can say, well, she's just doing what everybody else did. And some people say, you know, she's betrayed her friends or maybe she did both. Right. Um, it's an it's an interesting story uh, and it's an interesting perspective. And and yeah, I mean, it's you, you can you can say a lot and you can feel a lot about it. And as you said, there's so much going on that you, you do need a break every now and then, I feel. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm not finished, but I'd probably give it a B as a series. It's not terrible. Uh, it's got some great moments. Julia Garner is extremely good. In right, right. I highly recommend it. Recommend reading the article, the 2018 article, before you watch this or while you're watching it, because you 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 get a better sense of what's going on and you a better understanding of who she is and who she was at the time. I mean, she's still the same. Giving yeah. interviews and you know, same Anna. Same Anna. All right. Um, and like I said, uh, come back on Monday on our site. Hopefully, we will have a. Pretty good, pretty interesting right. costume design post regarding Inventing Anna. So you should watch at least a couple episodes to prepare for that. All right, the Oscar nominations dropped this year, and I mean this week, and um, we have thoughts. I have to say, as per every single year, there are going to be disappointments, but I am genuinely and generally kind of happy with how this went. I have some serious reservations about some of them. Right. But compared to... Several recent years, I, I I only have a few. Out, I mean, let me put it this way: If Kristen Stewart hadn't been nominated, I, that would have been my yes. big outrage moment whole of the week. Podcast about <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll get to her in a minute. Um, but for the most part, I'm okay with it. There are certain people that I think did get snubbed, um, but I also feel like you you can only nominate so many people. That is true. That is true. And and we had so many great people, great performances. I I feel in yeah. general. So what we're going to do is run through most of the major top uh, nominations, I think, and talk about who we think should win, right, who right. we think is going to win, and right. who got snubbed. Are you looking so, at our article? Our, our I piece? am. Yeah, so good. starting off, performance by an actor in a leading role, Javier Bardem in Being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch in The Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield in Tick, Tick, Boom, Will Smith in King Richard, Denzel Washington in The Tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, King Richard is the only one on that list we haven't seen. We, I, do, I, we do have oh, a yeah, screener. right, right, right. But um, we just haven't seen it yet. So I can't weigh in on Will Smith. I will say the likely winner, the front runner here is Benedict Cumberbatch, although I would not rule out Denzel Washington for a win. Right. Um, I hate to be simplistic about this, um, but if you know the history of the Academy, the history of uh, the Oscars, and how people in that industry think, um, I'm just going to be blunt. The fact that Sidney Poitier died a week or two ago is a very good factor in right. Denzel's favor because he has always been seen as his as the man who was carrying Sidney Poitier's right, uh, right, right, right. legacy. Right. And if Denzel were to win, he would become the most, or I think he is the most already the most reward. Doesn't he have two Oscars? I don't remember. Um, but he would be a he would be the most rewarded black actor. Right. Uh, Oscar. And he wise. is. Listen, I don't like the man. I don't. I don't like him as an actor. Um, but his performance was amazing, and I actually we didn't review this on the podcast. I don't think it's a great movie. Um, uh, just real briefly, Frances McDormand was in over her head. Yes, uh, she couldn't deliver on Lady Macbeth, Mm-mm. but Denzel. The great thing about Denzel's performance, and again, I'm just going to have to get into it. Um, 
as an actor, as a black American actor, he um, did something that Francis McDormand couldn't do, which is that he found the rhythm. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. So much of Sha- I, mean, I think we did talk about this. So much of Shakespeare, and I'm not a scholar, but so much of performing Shakespeare in modern day is to find that rhythm. Right. The language is not intuitive. You really have to figure out the intonations and the cadence. And although everything. I think it's just words, words, and words. And yeah. especially if you're not doing it with an English accent, when you're an American or somebody right. else like right. that, you really have to find that rhythm because. Um, it's not natural to American speech. And what Denzel did is he found the rhythm so that the language was crystal clear. Everything was perfect clarity. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, yeah. While at the same time, um, retaining his own cadence as an African-American man mm-hmm. um, so that he didn't sound stilted. He didn't do some faux, you know, he, Anything, he yeah. sounded like Denzel, right? the Denzel that we yeah. know, but the language coming out of his mouth was so formal and yet he was able to not make it sound stilted right. or anything like that. And it was a beautifully calibrated performance of an act, an actor who's not just talented, but uh, he brought his intelligence to that role. Right. It made me pay attention to the words, which, exactly. which is not always the case with Shakespeare. When I'm watching a movie or exactly. whatever, I'm, I'm, I'm usually focused on the scene, the performance, and you know I don't pay much attention to the words. That's just me. Pardon me, but that's the way. <laughs> but his performance was so good, he did such a good job um, that I was paying attention to what he was saying, just looking at the men. Listen, I, he is not my favorite actor or one of my favorite ex, <laughs> you know, but he did such an incredible job that I, I was just in awe with the whole thing. It I was agree. Incredible. Um, like I said, Benedict, we've talked extensively about the power of the dog, so I won't get into him, but Benedict Cumberbatch does seem to be the front runner and I would be fine with him winning. I would be fine with uh, Denzel winning, and I would also be fine with Andrew Garfield, actually, because uh, the more I think about Tick, Tick, Boom, the more I am in love with that performance. <laughs> yes. uh, Lorenzo's wearing his Tick, Tick, Boom sweatshirt because Netflix sent us. I know. Uh, it's my favorite sweatshirt. Yeah. Um, I, you just saw it the other I night. I just saw it. I'm not going to lie. I, w- I felt like I was forced. I, I had to watch it before the podcast, and I actually can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. His performance. It's not a... It's not a great movie in the sense of a, of, of a well-made movie but it, i disagree but it's an interesting movie that's just my take i don't i but his performance is just so incredible i mean it's it's this level of energy intensity all the, yeah all intensity. the time intensity and energy all the time and um like all really great musical performances he throws his whole body into yes, the performance yes. i mean it's it's so kinetic flailing arms and and rubbery facial expressions and stuff like that but i'm making it sound like he's mugging or going over the top it's not it's entirely appropriate both for the material and also for the character he's playing there's enough video out there of jonathan larson the real person yes, yes. I, I i actually watched him because i did, i hadn't seen them before yeah so. i mean he really did capture jonathan right. larson but uh, a great performance so much charm in that performance and like i said so much intensity and what i love about that film and specifically garfield's uh performance is um film and television are not very good at at um trying to illustrate the creative process and the creative mind. It's a very difficult thing to do. Uh, and it rarely ever pulls it off unless it pulls some really crazy tricks here and there. And there is one scene where Lin-Manuel Miranda, the director, pulled a really interesting visual trick. It's the pool scene. Right. And it's a beautiful scene. Absolutely. I'm gorgeous. not going to go into it because if you haven't seen it, you should watch it unfold. And be surprised by it because it's absolutely gorgeous. But yes, I, I, I 
kept saying to Lorenzo when that scene came up, I was like, this is so gorgeous to me because, listen, I'm not on anybody's level here, but I know what it's like to stare at a blank screen and try and come up with words and and what it takes to get to a point where right. the words start flowing out of you. And that scene really gets to it. When we, a couple weeks back when we were bitching about And Just Like That, we talked about the scene of Carrie writing her book and how hilarious I thought it was because it was just her dreamily staring at a window and right, right, right. gently tapping at a laptop. <laughs> oh, no. And let me just say, without being melodramatic about it, um, the... After the second, after Legendary Children was, uh, we I wrote Legendary Children. Um, I had to spend a year going to doctor's appointments because my body was so fucked up right. from the and the Fug Girls just gave an interview and they both said the same thing. I think Jessica said that writing the last book completely fucked her body up. Your your hands, your back, everything. your back, everything. It's very uh, I, believe me, writing is not digging ditches or doing brain surgery. I understand that. I'm not puffed up on my own importance, but. Um, Creating is difficult, and sometimes it takes itself out not only on your psyche, but on your body as well. Right. And I think Andrew Garfield really, really, really captured yes, yeah. that moment, that I, feeling. I think the and one of the things throughout the entire movie that I find so beautiful is that you know that he died so young. I mean, the the real, well, that's why all the high energy is yeah. so. It's not just tragic, but it's also um, ominous. Yes. That he's burning out. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Yeah, and at the same time, doing everything you can, right? Because you don't know how long you're going to live. Exactly. Not that he knew, but my point is, but that, he did. That was written into his lyrics. Yeah, I mean, he did on beautiful. some level understand that. Right. That you know the 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 principle and the idea that you know give everything, give everything you got because you never know how long you're going to live. So it's such a beautiful message throughout the entire movie. I, I agree. Do you have any snubs? Because you have a list of snubs in the Yes, category. I have a list of a bunch of people. No, just this category. Yes, this category, I'd say Dev Patel. Uh, oh. For, 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 for Best Actor, yes. His performance was incredible. I do think I'm his not performance gonna, was great. I yeah. think the Green Knight, first of all, you didn't name the film, the Green Knight, uh, Missed out on a couple of. <laughs> don't give me that look, Mister. If I don't come in and add that information, um, I agree. don't I'm, do the cut across your neck thing oh to me God. either. Don't do that. Please. I'm just gonna tell them everything you're doing silently. <laughs> anyway, I forgot the movie. Yes, the Green Knight. I yeah, I don't see that. I'm not gonna get into no, it because it we already reviewed the film. But, but anyway, uh, yeah. I loved Abatel and I loved the film. But I didn't think that was a best actor. But like performance. you said, there's only five you know, spots. Right. So, it, yeah, if you look at the people nominated, I'm fine with all of them. Okay, <laughs> performance by an actor in a supporting role, Karen Hines in Belfast, uh, Troy Kotzer in Coda, Jesse Plemons in The Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons in Being the Ricardos, Cody Smith-McPhee in The Power of the Dog. Um. Okay. Who do I want to win? I would probably say Jesse Plemons. Yes. I think. I like, agree. I, I loved Cody Smith-McPhee, and I actually did love J.K. Simmons and Being the Ricardos. On the other, oh, I also love Karen Hunt. You know, if I had to pick <laughs> which one I want to win, for me, it would probably come down to Jesse or Karen Hines. Um, yes. If I had to pick who is likely to win, first off, Troy Kotzer, um, I, I only saw a clip from Coda, and I burst into tears at his performance. So I'm like, yeah, all right, I got to rent that and watch it. I don't think we have a screener for it. We had, and we never watched. Um, it's possible he could be a front runner in this. Right. Uh, I think Karen Hines has never won, um, and I don't think he's ever been nominated. So it's possible that could go towards him because they do like giving elderly actors, you know, uh, uh, an Oscar on the way out. And Jesse, I think. 
Um, I, you know, it's not that all all uh, academy voters think of this, think this way, but there is political thinking. There is um, sort of image craft that they tend to. If you ever read some of those voters, right, uh, those anonymous voter articles, interviews, it, there's they always have some overriding idea of what the wins should be about, and the fact that Kirsten Dunst is nominated. Uh, and they're both nominated as a couple, and they played a couple in the right, film, right, right. and neither one of them... Like, if they were to both win Oscars that night, that, that, would, be that like, would be a moment. So yes. I think there's a lot in some voters' minds they mm-hmm. would like to see something like that happen. And then finally, with J.K. Uh, Simmons, uh, he's won before. He's well-liked, I think, in the industry. And he's playing an iconic figure right. uh, in Hollywood. They and love they love that sort of shit. And they love this movie. This um, movie's going to win everything. And it could be that, no, it's not. It hasn't even been nominated for that much. Um, it could be that JK gets the nod because Nicole doesn't. Uh, oh. Like, they tend to do that. Like, you'll read those interviews and they'll say, well, I didn't vote for Nicole, but so I gave it to JK. Right, so that's, that's true, that's true. That's my thought. What are your thoughts on I, um, supporting actors? I would give it to Jesse. Um, his performance is absolutely amazing. I think Cody's good, but... If I have to remove one person, it would be Cody. I, think I agree. His, I think his performance was incredible, but not like this on the same level of Jesse and now the other ones there. I yeah. totally agree. Um, it was an, a, a a great example of an actor being still and being quiet. And that's not easy, but right. I don't necessarily think it's award winning either. Right, right. I, I totally agree. Uh, I, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it do, was good. It do was you have good. any snubs? Uh, for for um, Supporting? Well, everyone is saying I agree in a way, but I don't think deserves a nomination. It's Bradley Cooper for for a Licorice no. Pizza. I don't think deserves a nomination. Oh, for Licorice Pizza, I thought you were going to say Nightmare. No, 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 no. Uh, you said yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe we're going to get into Licorice Pizza in a minute. I thought he was great. I didn't like it. You didn't like it. I loved it. And anyway, I think he was great. But I thought what it was about a cartoon the, performance. What about the West Side Story guy? Was was Mike? Uh, what's his name? Mike? Faced. Yeah. Yes. Um, if anything, he was supporting. And there if I go. could switch anyone out, I probably would remove J.K. or Cody Smith McPhee. Yes. Um, to put Mike Face yeah. in there. His performance was really, really. We haven't good. talked about West Side Story on this podcast either, and we will in a bit. But let me just say that movie is a freaking masterpiece. I it was is jumping I, up and down watching that. It's movie. a kind of a shame that um, you know it was released during the pandemic, and Spielberg insisted on staying in in theaters for a while. So. Technically, it's a bit of a flop, but I can't imagine this film is not going to gain in power over the decades. It's, right. We'll get into that. Uh, but you're right. Mike Faith's performance yeah. uh, uh, is just amazing. Um, it really, really stands out in the film. In a lot of ways, I would consider it a better performance than Ariana DeBose, who did get nominated. Uh, but we'll get into that because I think yeah. she was deserving. Yeah. Oh, she, she did. She deserved it. All right. So, in fact, let's move on to that. Unless you have an, any more male snubs. No, I think that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, I, I forgot to mention, I feel bad for him, but uh, for, for Best Actor, uh, Jamie uh, Dornan. Um, he, I feel worse for Katrina Boff. I think she deserved true, it more. But his performance was also great. And But, you know, there's only so many right. you know, spots. So. Okay, performance by an actress in a leading role, Jessica Chastain in The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz in Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman in Being the Ricardos, Kristen Stewart in Spencer. Um, Parallel Mothers is the only one we haven't seen. I actually watched it, yeah. Oh, you it. did? Yeah, yeah, do we yeah. have a screener? Yeah, we do. Oh, I didn't even anyway. know that. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay, so you are expert level. Um, 
I haven't. Se- oh, I'm sorry. I haven't seen the Eyes of Tammy Faye because I don't want to see the Eyes of Tammy. <laughs> well, I did watch that. I and- will eventually watch it, especially because she got nominated. But I, I'm just was against that whole movie because it's this gently camp take <laughs> on, on this figure who was not harmless. No. Anyway, um, I just watched The Lost Daughter, and I, um, my God, Olivia Coleman. Uh, she is the actress of her generation. Yes, she, she is. is she um, is phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal, and she's phenomenal. still pretty young, which means like you know she's, she's got another gonna get twenty-five better. years of films ahead of her, and she is the actress of her generation. Having said that, I'm thrilled that Kristen Stewart is nominated. But all along, I've been championing her, championing her in this role since she was cast, and then when the film came out, and I said it was nomination level work yeah. for her. Yes, yes. I don't think it's winning no, work. No. So I would be very surprised if she won this, and I don't. Nec- I don't particularly think she deserves. It. I think it's between Olivia and Nicole. Uh, I do too. Um, uh, Nicole came in and being the Ricardos. Uh, it's a really, I know some people couldn't get past the fact that she doesn't look like her, but I did like the performance a lot. I like her energy. I like she, I how she recreated that person, you know, real person. Yeah. Um, she did a phenomenal job. I mean, at some, you get distracted with the makeup and, and the, they the, did a bad job. They on did it. a terrible job every now and then you're like, Whoa, okay. But you keep going. Right. Because her performance is so great. Yep. Uh, she does bring, I'd, she performs well in terms of, of uh, her personality. Her, that really dry sort of. Yeah, yeah. And it's very un-Nicole in a lot her of ways. Her fight to, to, yeah. to, you know, get what she wanted. Uh, that, all that stuff, I think Nicole does a very good job uh, presenting in the movie. So I'd say Nicole or Olivia. Um, I think I, Olivia is the deserving one. I would give it to Olivia because that movie... Uh, I've, I've I can't recommend that movie. I've enough. watched it like three Haunting times. Haunting is not the word. Yes, there are some scenes that I just wanted to crawl into my chair. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I watched it last night, um, and uh, I had about thirty minutes left to it, and I I had to take a break, and I came out to the living room, and he and he said, "Oh, are you done?" And I was like, "No, I it's." It's very intense, and my anxiety levels are spiking. And he, you agreed, and you were like, oh, yes. how about the scene in the movie theater? I'm like, that is literally the scene where I just put it on pause, because I need to... Don't get me wrong, it's not... Um, it's not horrible, no, no, like it's horrific. Just, you know. You're just inside the mind, or you're seeing the world through the mind of a... Through the eyes of a woman who's got a lot going on. Let's just say, put it yeah, that way. She's yeah. got a lot going on inside her. She's got a a past that the film gently unpacks that tells her whole story. And it's all there in Olivia Coleman's performance. She is, she is so great at playing very complicated women with, um, who are just not easily slotted into anything. It's one of the things, it's one of the reasons why I don't think her work as Queen Elizabeth was, it's nowhere near her best work right. because Queen Elizabeth is not a complicated woman, not on a personal level. No, She's no. a complicated figure, but the woman herself, not not complicated. And well, at least the, the the queen that we know and 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 see presented, you know, in front of us. I mean, I don't lot, know. A lot of people think she's. I don't uh, know I'm how she is thinking. in real life, but you know, the woman presented to us is it's very simple, basic, uh, right. you know, queen. Um, so, but I think that's why Claire Foy's performance resonated better than because Claire Foy kept it simple. Yes, did not try and complicate yeah. this woman. Yeah. Did not try yeah. to present her as more empathetic or I'll be blunt, more intelligent than she I might agree. be. Um, and Olivia's always looking for, as an actress, I think, looking for all the little inconsistencies and, and right. hypocrisies right. in her characters, and she's so good at bringing them out. 
and the queen just wasn't that person for her. This though, uh, Lita in the in the Lost Daughter, spectacular. It's, it's a wonderful movie and such a wonderful surprise. Uh, oh, Maggie Gyllenhaal! I know my exactly. God. I mean, I I really liked Pat. Oh, passing. Yeah, well, we'll get to the... Uh, Didn't, oh, no, those are supporting. That's supporting act. Well, I mean, Tessa Thompson wasn't... Yeah, but, for... but Ruth Nega n- be, not being nominated, I don't know if she'd be actor. actor. Or... No, that would be supporting. And okay. Let's, that's the next We'll category. get to that. I bring up Passing because it was directed by a, uh, an actress, and it was her first time directing, Rebecca Hall, and The Lost Daughter is directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal, and it's also her first. And both ac- both women adapted the, the yes. yeah those films from books. Incredible so, women, yeah. Um, yeah, incredible, because everything about both of those films is just really high-level yeah. work. Maggie Gyllenhaal is... I was really blown. I'm not that surprised, because the Gyllenhaals, especially her, more so than him... Um, they always struck me as right. intellectuals who are happen to be working in Hollywood. That's why we need more women directing and creating movies yeah. because they bring amazing stories. Well, the me. Lost Daughter is such a woman's story. Yeah, it is so the eyes of the world through women, not yes. through men at all. And um, I, I said that about her direction. I was like, it's so womanly in the sense that it is. Um, it is. The camera's very intimate, very, very close right, up right. on faces, on bodies, on breasts, on legs. It's just, and it's not a male gaze sort of thing. It's it's an intimacy thing. It's, uh, we're not saying that women can, can't no, direct, of yeah, you know, an action figure movie or something. And they like have. They but have. No, it's just that they, they bring their understanding this uh, is and their own experience. Exactly. In a way. Yeah. Um, in the same way that, you know, Frida Kahlo was a, a right. very womanly artist um, because she, she unpacked her own womanhood and her art. That is, that's how I felt about Maggie Gyllenhaal, is that she was really unpacking her ideas about motherhood and womanhood. being, And also, like the Dakota Johnson figure uh, character, being uh, young and de- sexually desirable, and then the Olivia Coleman figure being middle-aged and right. having regrets. I thought it was it's spectacular. It's so well-written. The, the whole thing is so beautiful, and, and it's such a wonderful take in motherhood yeah. you know that you don't see often on tv or, or movies so it's it's ab- absolutely fantastic so my snub for lead actress is katrina Balfe. katrina Balfe, my god uh, her performance is so i actually amazing. feel a little sorry for her i, I was kind of happy her. for her because i was like good for you getting you know going from outlander to an academy award nomination would be you know spectacular but yeah i hope she um she is a movie star. I think both she and Jamie Dornan, when I watched this, I was like, those are two old school damn right, right, movie right. stars. So I hope she gets movie star level roles out of this. But I'm sorry that she didn't get a yes, nomination. I would remove Jessica Chastain. So Listen, would I. Her performance is good. The movie is okay. Her performance it's all prosthetic and wigs. It's, it's good. But it's all about that cartoonish image uh, yeah. uh, of Tammy. And, 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 you know, people go for that. Uh, I know. But... No, I would remove her and, and put uh, Katrina Balfe there. I am in agreement. Performance by an actress in a supporting role, Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter, Ariana DeBose in West Side Story, Judy Dench in Belfast, Kirsten Dunst in The Power of the Dog, uh, Ingenue Ellis in King Richard. Again, King Richard is the only one we haven't seen, although I absolutely adore Ingenue as an actress. Mm-hmm. She was in uh, Lovecraft Country last year, and she was one of my favorite cast members. Very true. Uh, so I think the... Favorite is Kirsten Dunst. I will burn the entire <laughs> uh, Hollywood institution and building down if she doesn't win. But I think she's the favorite. I think Ariana DeBose is the second favorite. Uh huh. Um, can't ever count out someone decide. You know, too many people deciding that Judy Dench should get one more. You know, 
chance right, to but, pick up an Oscar. So I don't know, but no, I come on. If I were betting, I would say Kirsten. Come on. If I had to pick myself, I would also say Kirsten. Kirsten, oh my God, that scene by the piano, please. That thing is a masterpiece. All of her scenes, but yes, the piano that scene piano is a masterpiece. piano scene is a masterpiece. I felt uh, just everything she yeah. was feeling as a musician. I can't even I, uh, think of that performance without wanting to just sort of tear up a little bit because yes. that character was just so delicate and so broken. Yes. Um, and she did such a great job with it. She did a phenomenal job. Um, people were surprised that Kate Blanchett uh, didn't get nominated. Um, For which one? Don't Look Up? No, The Nightmare Alley as a supporting actor. I uh, I don't think we talked about the film on here. I really enjoyed the film, really enjoyed her performance, um, but it was a pastiche mm-hmm. and it was almost a parody. I mean, she was basically parodying the Femme Fatales of 1940 noir film. Right. So she, there was a lot of Lauren Bacall in that and everything. It was a fun little acting exercise for her, but I did not feel I was seeing Kate Blanchett at her best. I thought she was sort of mugging her way through the role, which is what the role required. Right, right, right. I actually think Tony Collette was better in that film than Kate Blanchett yes. was. And oh my I also God, think yes. I also think Rooney Mara was better yes. than Kate. Yes. They they were all great. Yeah, I have to say. Yeah. It's a really great film that will stick with you and uh, Bradley Cooper is great in it as well. But I honestly don't think any of those performances Probably I don't think not. it's terrible Probably that none not. of those performances yeah. got nominated. I have to say passing, yeah, that was that that was bad. The fact that none of them uh, uh, Ruth Negga should have gotten nominated. Ruth Negga especially. I mean, her I would have put her in there over be. Judy Dench probably. Judy Dench or even Jesse Buckley. I thought her performance was great, but I don't know about a nomination. Um I think Jesse it, it was only a matter of time that before she was going to get nominated because uh her last she's really uh, she's only done a few films and every single one of her performances are amazing. Right. I think she is a, a really great actress. Um, she did that country music, right? She did the one about the country singer, which, awesome. which was like Wild Rose or something Some like that. Incredible movie. <laughs> and then she did a movie with Jesse Plemons last year, which is also on Netflix. Uh, I think I'm thinking of Ending Things, which is this totally surrealist film. And I still thought she was great in it. Um, She's a fantastic actor. It's difficult actor, yeah. because she is very, very good in The Lost Daughter, but she is playing the same character as Olivia Coleman. She's playing her at a younger age, and there's you're inevitably going to compare. And it's like, well, Jesse Buckley did a spectacular job right. in The Lost Daughter, and Olivia Coleman is the actress of her generation. So it's like, well, you did great, but right. she did. She outshone you. I think so. Um, Ariana DeBose, spectacular in oh West Side God. Story. Insane. Insanely Insane. good Insane. in West Side Story. Um, won't get into too much of it as a review of the film, but Spielberg did it, man. He did it. He made uh, a stunning version of West Side Story that does not take a thing away from the original. Right. In many ways, it feels like it pays homage it to pays the original. It pays a huge homage, I think. However, he did it with more realistic uh, sets and backdrops. Yeah. He well, did it with 21st century camera technology, which means he could use drones and cranes and Steadicam. None of that was available 70 years ago. Exactly. It's in high definition, although that's not a point for or against it. Um, and it's cast appropriately, racially and ethnically. Right. So that the film is loaded with uh, Latino and Latina performers and who terms, are every range of skin color. So, And I think in terms of the dancers and slash actors, I think uh, so much more is asked of them in terms of performance that I felt the performance were on a much higher level. Oh, absolutely. Uh, because today we ask a lot more. Absolutely. Uh, um, for, you know... Put it this way, without taking, without criticizing the original film, there are like say four central performances in the original film that all the attention was pl- 
placed on. And then you, you when you get further and further away from those central characters, the performances aren't that great. Like Chino, the character of Chino in the right, original right. film. Um, Spielberg doesn't work that way. No. Uh, he will take someone who has three lines and make sure that they deliver everybody, so much meaning. Everybody with... So every character, this is why, uh, if you have reservations about this film, it is the same story. They did not um, change the story in any real dramatic ways. Um, Rita Moreno is a different character, is a new character, uh, but they, without giving anything away, they actually slot her into the story in a way that makes, you know. Yeah, she she, replaced somebody She replaced Doc. Yeah. Doc turned out to be Mm -hmm. her husband. Right. Um, But she is the, you know, the, the drugstore owner. It is fundamentally the same film, and you may think, well, why remake it? I just named all the reasons, because of uh, modern technology, modern filmmaking, because um, you can get a more ethnically appropriate cast, and you can, um, and uh, Tony Kushner, the playwright uh, who wrote the screenplay, did this amazing job of letting other characters, uh, not just um, Chino suddenly becomes this, he has an arc, and it's actually a really tragic arc, and they don't add that much, it's just that, the camera lingers on him in scenes right. and the actor is allowed to work. Right, right. That was not in the original film. The character of Anybody's, who is in the original uh, film, she was you know, called a girl, um, but she was, a, in, let's say in 1961, they would have called her a tomboy. In, in the modern film, they do not call her trans because no character in that scene, in that world would have understood that. But she is clear, oh, I'm sorry, he is clearly a trans character. Uh, or they are clearly a trans character and pretty much state as much right, without right. coming right out and saying I'm trans. And again, that makes that character make so much more sense. It's not right. about being woke necessarily. It's just about looking at the original text and saying, how can we look at this from 2021 and and make it relevant? Right, right. And he did it. They did it. It is a breathtakingly beautiful. I would put it up there with some of the most beautiful cinematic work of yeah, Spielberg's career and well, his career that, is nothing but iconic imagery right. the fact that he had all the money to to do exactly yeah he had all the money <laughs> access to all this incredible uh all these sources you know and of everything and um and he's a great director yeah uh, and the fact that they had all these outside uh sets and scenes when, when they're dancing makes a huge difference yeah exactly this wasn't uh all done on sound stages the way the 1961 film was done. And again, there's nothing wrong with shooting musicals on sound stages. But modern audiences don't react as well to that sort of thing. Right, right. Uh, so he took the opportunity to shoot. If he wasn't shooting in real locations, he was using a lot of digital technology to make it look like real locations. And it works. Um, so and, it feels like they right. are in a crumbling neighborhood in New York City I think, in 1960. I think my short version of the whole thing is that I... Love the the original version. I so absolutely I. love the original so version. I. I think everyone is incredible. But you it's, cried it's during movie. the gym scene in the new version, right? But the new version, I I was I, I'm not kidding. I was I couldn't believe how incredible I cried during the gym scene. I couldn't scene. believe how incredible everyone is. Yeah. Uh, the performances are amazing. The dancers are out of this world. I mean, it's just this incredible energy, everybody yeah. involved. Um, so it is a great movie. Yeah. And it, when I say I cried during the gym scene, I cried because it was so beautifully done. It is so beautiful. Uh, it is yeah. so emotional to watch. Um, and actually, the gym scene in the original film is my favorite scene yes, in that film. You talk film. about it all the time. Yeah. And it's uh-huh. still one of my favorite right. scenes in cinematic history. But Spielberg took it and and did. It's the same. Trust me. It's the same scene. Mambo, Mambo, go, go. It's exactly the same scene. It's exactly the same music, everything. 
Um, the beats are all exactly the same, but the staging is much more dynamic. Right, right. The color, the costumes, the way the camera swoops around. Oh, and the oh, and this is something that Spielberg takes full, full, full advantage of 21st century sound technology. So the music at times feels like there's an orchestra right, right in front of you. Right, right. Um, and it's just amazing. It's just an amazing... I'm getting um, chills just thinking about it. It's coming to um, Disney Plus and HBO Max. I don't know how they swung that one next month. So everyone's going to get a chance to see it. Who but didn't. we highly recommend it. <sighs> anyway, highly Ariana DeBose, spectacular. I would not cry if she won this. Oh, uh, my God. But I do want Kirsten Dunst to win. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. I um, totally agree. And um, Wales. Um, yeah, that's it. Um, Ruth Nagam, unfortunately. Snubbed. Yes. Snubbed. Uh, I only want to... We're not going to get into, like, achievement in cinematography or anything like that, are we? Uh, I'm just going to mention that uh, Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story... All were, deserving. They all deserve... Uh, Gorgeous I, movie. I wish they had included The Green Knight. Um, the Green Knight, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, it's... Oh, my God. What a beautiful movie. Uh, I, I Just go briefly back to The Tragedy of Macbeth. Um, uh... I would say the art direction of that film was um, one of the most important aspects of it. Yes. Uh, the way that yes. film looks. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the, and you nailed it. You were like, it reminds me of Orson Welles. And I very does. much like it's that. Very, very much, much like, like classic that. Orson Welles. Um, the, the, you know, the shadows. The shadows the sh- and the angularity, yeah, yeah. the long, the deep focus, the yes, long, you know, yes. that sort of thing. Beautiful to look at. Stunning to look at. Um, it's a beautiful movie. Beautiful, beautiful. All of these movies are. Nightmare Alley. Yes. Um, Power of the Dog, Tragedy, West Side Story. Uh, They're all beautiful. Beautiful. So I can't really pick. If I, right. I'd wait, say let West me Side see. Story. I would say West Side Story. Yeah, of course. Giannis Kaminsky, who is a legendary cinematographer. But The Power of the Dog, my God, the movie's so gorgeous. Uh, the scenes by candlelight are so beautifully uh, lit. Everything is gorgeous. There, There's a scene in the beginning, there is a cowboy walking, uh-huh. and the camera is inside the room, uh, looking oh, right. outside. Yeah, yeah. That is one of the most beautiful things. <laughs> How about in terms of snubs? The Green Knight opens with this shot through again through yes, a window. Yes, with the ducks and the pigs. And, yes, yes. Uh, it oh is my the god! Most... That thing that the animals are, are are witnessing what's going on. I mean, come on! That... I don't even want to spoil that shot because it's really literally the first ninety to two minutes seconds to two minutes of the film, and it almost doesn't have anything to do with the film, but. It unfolds this little story, right, right, and it is this little fascinating story. <laughs> animals in front, and of animals, and and people fleeing, and fires in the background, and and then it it moves toward the action. It is just one of my Absolutely. favorite opening shots yes. in in I years. Agree. So the Green Knight, yes, should have been huge there. snub, yes. Uh, and briefly, achievement in costume design, and I'll just name Cruella, Jenny Beaven, Cyrano, uh, Massimo Santini, Perini, and Jacqueline Duran. Dune, Jacqueline Weston, Robert Morgan, Nightmare Alley, Louis Segarra, and West Side Story, Paul Tazewell. Um, Jenny Beaven is a legend. And Cruella, if I had to pick any of these, it would be Cruella. But uh, it should have been um, Malgozia Trzanski, who was the, I can't believe I remember her name, who was the costume designer. I remember her name. Good for you. On the, well, I wrote about her. The Green Knight. Yes. The Green Knight should, oh should be God. here. And should be here. Yes. Yeah. Should be here. Maybe instead of... Uh, I don't know something, but or add her. Uh, but yes, uh, I do love the costumes in Corella. They're beautiful. Um, they're stunning. They're stunning. And West Side Story, they're absolutely gorgeous. They gorgeous, are gorgeous. gorgeous too. So they're all great. 
Nightmare Nightmare Alley. The Dune. Cost- Dune. My we God, picked, incredible. Um, yeah. Dune was on our list of favorite costumes. Yeah, so the, they're all great. Yeah. Uh, again, The Green Knight, I can't believe, uh, hasn't been nominated. But I agree. I, um, all right, let's, I'm always, the next is achievement in directing, but. Yeah, but before we, we talk about these people, we forgot that Lady Gaga didn't get nominated and Jared Leto didn't get nominated. Oh, right, we right, we right. completely forgot to talk about these people. Because we're so thrilled. <laughs> thrilled. Yes. I, um, I'm thrilled. I, I don't mean, mean to be mean about Gaga, but yeah. I am thrilled that he wasn't nominated. Oh my God, yes. Because I think it was a very funny performance and a huge cartoon performance. And there's a lot about it that you could say, oh, can't be fun, but not not award winning. The way I feel about these two performances. Gaga, she turned everyone off with all that interviewing oh she my did. God, and all her about, interview about like she was about to kill everyone and, uh, in, in character. And, and, and Yes, and, and oh her body God. was racked in yes, pink. And, all that uh, stuff. All That's, the interviews were she horrible. She needs to dial that shit way back if she wants an Oscar. I put a lot of that in the lounge post and I, I was like cracking up laughing just just reading reading them i was like oh my god people have to read she this. just gave i i, I kind of loved gaga and uh, it, accusing gaga of being pretentious is kind of missing the point of her of course she's pretentious <laughs> that's who she is her name is lady gaga um she's like madonna in that way you know she's like even she... more pretentious than madonna <laughs> okay <laughs> and, and that's fine that's her brand but you can't take that to your oscar campaign no no pretension plays well in pop music it does not no. play well with the academy no, it no, no. does not play well and she just gave the most pretentious promotional tour talking about her process and how she stayed in character and her accent and all that and it's just like oh honey no i i would have been mad if gaga got nominated and, and uh and Kristen Stewart did. Yes, I agree. Totally I would agree. have been really upset by that. Totally but agree. I think the Academy did right this time and they let the pretentious uh, campy performance go. I think go. they did right this time because I'd be very disappointed if these two uh, performances got nominated because they're 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 mocking a lot a lot of things. It's fine <laughs> to be campy. That's fine, um, but it's not. I know, but the accent, the whole thing with the accent, the whole uh, everything about it was just wrong. Right. And I'm I'm glad they didn't get nominated. Um anyway. Okay. Um achievement in directing is Belfast Kenneth Bronig, Drive My Car, Ryusuke Hamaguchi, Licorice Pizza Paul Thomas Anderson, The Power of the Dog, Jane Campion, West Side Story, Steven Spielberg. Now, Drive My Car is the only one we haven't seen. Yes. I have to um, watch this movie. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's talking about it, but I, I think you have to rent it. I don't think I, I, I don't think go, we have a screen. I have to go through our emails and find out. Anyway. I okay, picking who will win. Um What's I think it's story. No, I think it's Jane Campion, Power of the Dog. I will be so, so excited. And, I think and it's happy her. for her. Uh I think the power of the dog is one of the best movies like i I think there's a chance the power of the dog will sweep actor supporting actress supporting actor director i will be there's a possibility screaming um because it it, it's such a beautiful movie uh spielberg is well beloved but also well rewarded and it is a remake and it didn't do particularly well at the box office it is a masterpiece, but I'm not, I don't think there's much likelihood of him winning. No. Um, if you Kenneth re- Bronick, ooh, there's a good likelihood of him. Yes, at Belfast, and it's a beautiful movie. It's Come on, be- it's, it's gorgeous. I don't know that I would. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, is a beautiful. But movie. it wouldn't be my pick. Now let's talk about Paul Thomas Anderson and Licorice Pizza. <laughs> I have not said a word about Licorice Pizza because the conversation surrounding the film immediately got very annoying, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not weighing in on this. Um. Uh, some people really came out against the film because 
Uh, it depicts the story of a 15-year-old boy and a 25 or 26-year-old woman right. becoming friends and sort of uh, teasing a potential romance, navigating a potential romance. And, you know, there's there's something problematic Major about that. There's a, it's a little problematic. Um, and some people came out against the film for that reason. And there's also a couple scenes. Now, it is set in like 1972 four or something like or that whatever, yeah. there's a couple scenes with characters being a little casually racist about yeah. uh japanese people um and people had problems with that uh i won't speak to the racism issue because i do think he was depicting how people talked back then back then yeah but um but you have the right to be offended absolutely yeah. absolutely but to me it wasn't a mark against the film and i will say paul thomas anderson is a great director i love his films uh, this film is beautifully directed. I don't feel that he doesn't deserve the nomination because it is, he has a beautiful rhythm to his direction and he is very relaxed in his directorial style where it just feels like people are tumbling past the screen and there's just stories happening in front of you and it doesn't feel overly constructed, but it's deceptive because he has perfect, complete control over his film, every single aspect of right. it. Aesthetically, his films are always very interesting to look at. All of that's in place here. It is a fun film in a lot of ways. And Alana Haim, oh, Alana Haim. I know. Uh, I wouldn't have minded if she, I didn't love this film, but I wouldn't have minded if she got she a nomination. Is, that's her first performance And she's ever. Fantastic. She is it. fantastic. Now, um, here's why I didn't love the film. I... I think you can tell that story. You can tell the story about a teenage boy and an adult woman um, and why they befriended and why they're slowly circling around a romance. And you can make it not, you know, judgmental or right. whatever. Uh, but you need to unpack certain things. And I don't, and the film kept coming up against certain questions and not, and just refusing to answer them. And I don't mean not refusing to judge her or whatever, just at one point she asks one of her sisters, is this kind of fucked up? That I'm, you know, and they cut the scene and no one answers her question. And I'm like, oh, come on. You can't raise the central question of a story like this and, and then never, yeah. ever, mm -hmm. ever answer it. There's no reflection on that. Now, it is a lighthearted, sort of lovely uh, slice of life movie. It's not trying to unpack heavy, deep stuff, but you're still making it the story of right. a teenager and an adult woman. And here's why I, th I felt it was a bit of a cheat. In order to make the story work, he turned the 26-year-old woman into the most childish 26-year-old. Like, she acts and talks and even looks like a 16-year-old. And then turned the, the boy mm -hmm. into this, I felt, ridiculously charismatic figure that was just everyone loved him and he was this go-getter. Right. He had, like, all these businesses. He right. opened up a, literally opened up a store front. And I'm like, okay. How would he do that? There is right. no legal way a 15-year-old could do that. He's so successful. Everybody just loves him. And here's the, <laughs> the guy's played by uh, Cooper Hoffman, who was Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. And he's good. He's actually very good. Um, but as I said to you, I was like, yeah, you know, I went through life as a 15-year-old boy who looked almost exactly like Cooper Hoffman. And let me tell you, the world does not treat boys that look like that like rock stars. Right. They don't. And there was no sense of unpacking that, that he was this sort of goofy, chubby, sweaty 15-year-old that everybody treated like a total stud. It's funny, but if you're not going to examine that, I just felt like the film felt, right. it 
felt it was all just some really fun, cute scenes, and it was about the music and the clothes, but it never, ever, ever actually unpacked who the characters were or what they were doing. Right. I think the, the one of the mistakes I feel is that I read several interviews with the director, and he wanted to pay homage to a lot of things from right. that time period. I agree. And he packed everything into one character. So the main character, I, it's, yeah. it's kind of like representing all this He's, stuff that happened. Like he, he talks about, he remembers like uh, water baths and all that stuff. And that's right. why the, the, the character, you know, has a store and all right. that. So everything was thrown into that character, uh, which doesn't look very, it or doesn't seem very real for, for someone that age to, uh, to accomplish all that. It, um, it's very entertaining, but when it got to the end of the film, I was, actually the last line really annoyed the hell out of me, which I won't say what it was. But I still like the movie very much. Um, and I'm not, I'm fine with him being uh, nominated because he is really talented and mm-hmm. the direction was amazing. I just didn't like the script. Right. Well, it has to be the part of the dog. Please, 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 please. Yeah. It's, I, for me, I, I think it's likely to be either Jane Campion or Kenneth Branagh and I'm pretty sure it's going to Jane yeah. Campion. I'm also surprised that again, the Green Knight didn't get nominated Yeah. The best movie, but again, people, I mean, I don't know. It's not the kind of movie that everyone will appreciate. So. Yeah, I agree. All right, so let's move to best m- picture. Mm-hmm. Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, West Side Story. Now, it's not a, it's not totally unheard of for someone to win directing and not win best picture, right? Or you know, vice versa. Uh, so maybe West Side Story will win. It's as possible. Best movie. Mm-hmm. It's possible. It's also possible Belfast could pick it up and Jane Campion right. could pick right. up best director. Uh, but really, the only ones that I feel are, oh, don't look up. Don't look up. Are you serious? Oh, my God. I'm happy for Netflix, but my God, no. I'm really hoping that doesn't get rewarded. No, um, no. And the scary part is it's the kind of film that absolutely the Academy would fall all over because it's tackling an important issue. Of course, it's tackling it in the most facile, facile sort of way. Um, but whatever. I'm surprised being the And recorders. it's loaded with... Uh, it's loaded with the biggest stars in Hollywood. And then, right. oh gosh, Hollywood just loves to reward big, splashy, important films full of movie stars. Oh, yes. So if that, if that film wins, I'm going to be so upset. But I tend to think it comes down to Belfast, Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Those are the three that are going to battle it out for best picture. That, um, yeah, I mean, don't look up and then you missed, an, you know, you, you don't include Being the Ricardos or Nightmare Alley. These were all great movies. I would not have put Being the Ricardos as a best picture. I am a little surprised it didn't get best a nomination, but right. I would not have called it a best picture. It is the kind of film That's that the what Academy I mean. I'm likes. Just, just surprised that it's not there. Yeah. Uh, Being the Ricardos, again, the Green Knight or the, um, yeah, I mean, just not there. Right. Uh, and we talked about the French Dispatch uh, that... You know, that's another one I the, the two Anderson films this year I didn't love I didn't uh, love the French Dispatch I'm not I'm not crazy that's about Wes the French, Anderson the director yeah I know I'm not crazy about the French Dispatch and, and, and I mean, I, mean I'm, I wouldn't say this is one of his best movies not at all but it's still an incredible uh, it film. is I mean <laughs> it's original it's very Wes Anderson it has a specific aesthetic a specific editorial style specific look to it the costumes everything about it um, and no other film looks like it. Uh, but it is, um, it it felt like him going up his own ass as a director. Like when you compare this to the Royal Tenenbaums, which I have been watching right. several times recently, because I love that movie. Um, 
the Royal Tenenbaums, it was in very Wes Anderson in that the art direction and the costumes and the character, everything about it was very specific, very aesthetically oriented. Everybody was extremely quirky and the acting was very stylized. That's all Wes Anderson. Right. But the difference between that and the French Dispatch is the Royal Tenenbaums, the characters were interesting and the actors were allowed to actually act, to actually right. find reality right. in the, find the soul of those characters. All of the people in, um, all the actors in the French Dispatch were little figures in a diorama. Almost I agree. literally. I agree. Totally The agree. acting was so, when you think of Frances McDormand in that, her vignette, her scene. Right. The way she was asked to perform that, I'm like, well, you took everything Frances McDormand out yeah. of Frances yeah. McDormand. I agree. I agree. And you turned her into this little automaton who's reciting quirky lines, but doesn't feel like a human being. All of the soul is out of those characters. The, right. When you look at the Royal Tenenbaums, those characters were full of soul. I agree. I mean, when you look at movies like the Grand Budap- Budapest of, of... That's another one. Oh, Just, my God. Those were li- They were all little doll animatronic figures, but they were living, breathing people, too. I mean, yeah, it's, it's by far my favorite. And I also agree. the uh, Life Aquatic, um, also mm-hmm. incredible. <clears throat> Excuse you me. can do these quirky, yes, sort of yes. unrealistic characters, or he can do it, and still make... Find something true and human in them, and I didn't feel it was. These were all just puppet shows. Yeah, really clever puppet shows. I mean, yeah, the production design uh, is beautiful, out of this, out of this world. And there's I mean, the, really great quirky performances. Right. Benicio del Toro is very funny. Um, what's his name? The guy, what the hell's his name? Um, with, I don't remember the one who kissed Halle Berry at the Oscars. I can't remember his name, but he actually oh, gave. Yeah, I, I forget. Uh, but anyway, he, he gave a great performance. Um, Tilda's always great. Uh, so there are fun, enjoyable things, but I would not. It was not my favorite film. And Chalamet. I mean, they were they were all great. But again, it was a puppet show. But it is it is pretty much like a part of a, a big piece, like a big puzzle. Right. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I think that's it. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm think- excited for the power of the dog. To be honest with you, I mean that's. I'm there for the. Pop I'm excited the that um, the Oscars aren't for another six weeks, so we've got all these Oscar campaign because red carpets are returning. Yeah, I want to oh see God. people on yes, talk shows yes, and yes, doing yes, photo yes, calls. Yes, yes. I want to cover all this stuff. Uh, I want Kristen Stewart out in a fugly Chanel every day between now and March 27th. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I want to see a lot of that stuff. Kristen. So uh, let us know what you thought of everything we said here. Watch Inventing Anna, or at least a couple episodes of it, and see what you think because we're going to talk about the costumes next week. And until then, with yeah. whatever, we'll be back with whatever crosses our eyes or crosses our desks. Uh, take care of yourself. Stay safe. Love you. Mean it. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.